Hello, welcome to the High Five Download Podcast, episode 26. Thanks for sticking around with us. We've been away for way too long, probably like a month hiatus, but we're back here and we're ready to have lots of new episodes this summer. <laughs> uh, once as, as always, I got my co-host Demetrio Lucero here. Hello, how's it going? Pretty good. Um, so today we have a special guest that we met at the Dink, the Denver Independent Comic Con deal that we spotlighted on our past two episodes. And... Um, he is the creative and program director of Tomorrow Maker Films, uh, and his name is Marcos Garibe. Uh, welcome to the welcome to the podcast. Hey, good to be <laughs> here. Um, so, I don't know. Tell our listeners a little bit about your um, yeah. your program, yeah. Tomorrow Maker Films. Sure. Favorite topic. <laughs> um, basically, we are a student-run film production company. We started as a after-school program in Commerce City, and eventually, after the first year, we evolved into a full-fledged nonprofit. So we we basically make films, uh, comics, animated projects that all exist in the same kind of um, same universe together. Gotcha. The yeah. and that's the Tomorrow Maker universe. The Tomorrow Maker universe. Cool. Um, so tell our listeners. I know that you guys are. I've seen some of your trailers online and everything, and you guys just had the big premiere at uh, Su Teatro. Yeah. Last week. Um, tell us. T- give a, give us a little. Uh, say you're just pitching the idea. You know, tell sure. us a little bit about the Tomorrow Maker universe. Um, sure. It's it's basically um, a world where a small town, small town in America, where the adults are gone and the kids basically have to pick up the pieces and kind of create their own society while searching for for answers as to the whereabouts of the adults nice kind of like the leftovers uh but with you know everybody but just the parents not right and is it like so do you guys um like, is this like a, a thing where you're going to continue for as long as you as you see fit? Or is it like maybe like next year you're going to start off like with a whole new like story or something like that? Or Yeah, I, I definitely want to continue. I, I think there's a lot of stories we can tell. And I kind of have a um, – what do I, I think I have like five movies mapped out. Oh, wow. With, yeah. So there, there's <laughs> a lot like we can a, That do. sounds like a, like, like a, like a big-time like studio producer. Like you got, <laughs> you got movies mapped out. That's, that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, so, it's it's funny to to think about it that way, but it's it's kind of that's great normal. to think about that there that there's a program like that for kids that you know where that you encourage like yeah we're going we have a plan and it's going we're going to stick to it and you know and it involves them of course. So. Oh yeah, yeah, they they're so about it. So they're and I mean not only are they the actors, but do they get hands on experience doing camera work and all kinds of stuff? And yeah, how does it, that, it's, it's how does really, that work out? It's yeah. been really cool. Um, so the original movie, the first movie was kind of our our test, you know, and um, most of the kids that are in it were were in front of the camera and the kids who were not filming would help kind of behind the scenes when they weren't shooting. But now with Chronicles, which is our our miniseries, the one we just had the premiere for, um, we're introducing close to 15 new characters. Wow. And so, yeah, it's and it it was kind of a challenge, but what made it easier was um, we're basically telling stories that happen between our feature films. Okay. And um, like, th- like are these like little like, like fifteen minute, like yeah. half hour yeah, little shorts or ten to fifteen minute, minute one minute? shots okay. that okay. kind of connect. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. And so the the bigger kids from the first film had the chance to be producers, which is really cool. Wow. 
So okay. that was really cool to see them kind of rise to the occasion for sure. those roles. Okay. And is that kind of like the like the step of the program? Like first you start off, you know, um, maybe like running cable and then you move sure. up to moving, you know, to working the camera and then you work on a project and then maybe you can write something. Definitely. Direct something maybe? or Possibly, and then yeah. And eventually like you'll produce it, you know. And there, there's so many things we can do. I, I think the, the coolest thing is um, – through the miniseries, we were able to introduce more characters, thus letting more kids get involved in the program. Okay. And so I think that's kind of a stepping stone, too, because there's a few characters that just blew us away, you know, that we mm-hmm. I wrote really small parts for. And then after seeing them on film, we were like, oh, my gosh, like, we need more of this person. Sure. And so because of that, now we're figuring out how to give them uh, a more prominent role in the next film that okay. we're going to start in oh, the okay. summer. Cool. Yeah. Do you find that more kids want to be an actor or they want to work behind the camera? <laughs> it's Yeah, I, I feel like they want to do everything, they want to do everything? at the same nice, time. Nice, nice, yeah. nice. It's like they're like when they're, they first like come into contact with something like that, it's, yeah, it's supposed to be like pretty exciting. You know? Oh, definitely. You know, see like lights and a nice like, you know, kind of like video, uh, not video camera anymore, but yeah. But, you know, just, just yeah, the whole, the the whole, whole set setup, atmosphere yeah. is mm-hmm. it's pretty cool awesome. to them. Cool. cool. Um, so... How how can our listeners uh, check out some of these uh, chronicles and everything, everything all about? To- Where can we find you guys online? Sure. Um, our website's probably the best place, tomorrowmakerfilms.com. Um, our YouTube channel is YouTube backslash Tomorrow Maker Films. Yeah, I just searched Tomorrow Maker Films on YouTube and it came right up. Cool. So it's pretty easy to find. And then Instagram nice. is probably our, our best spot for like daily updates. We, we try to do that, cool. keep that pretty fresh. Cool. So, yeah. I just think, well, yeah, we met you at the Dink, and I just thought that well, that's really cool, this program that you're doing to, you know, get exposed like kids in Commerce City to, you know. Right, to something that they something, probably wouldn't, yeah, be like, exper- wouldn't be exposed to yeah, at all. And get them hands-on experience. And I it's such a unique, really cool. yeah. un- I, you know, here it feels like it's such a unique program. It shouldn't be. But, right. you know, for, you know, what you quote unquote would call inner city kids to, you know, experience what it's mm-hmm. like to not just, you know, like, oh, we're going to make a silly little, you know, two minute short. No, we're going to like plan out, uh, you know, a, a 15 minute short or, you know, possibly like an hour and a half, 90 minute movie or something like that, you know, Definitely. and we're going to have parts and costumes. And do they also like work on that? Like, I, I, I noticed oh, at yeah. the dink that there was like you guys had like a lot of like of your costumes and stuff like do they also take place and yeah take part, I mean, take part in that too that's that's really designing fun. and making all the um uh, from designing um sewing oh nice yeah pre- we're about to go into pre-production as we start our second film and um that's always exciting because mm-hmm. we're after filming i think we're all collectively feeling the fatigue from from shooting sure so now we kind of get to reset and go into our our pre-production where you know we make costumes figure out mm-hmm. locations you know tweak the script and all of cool. that stuff cool. and that's that's so much fun nice very cool yeah so yeah it's cool i just think that it's really cool that they get exposed to all the different steps as far as in as filmmaking you know it's not just like we're gonna run out here with the video camera and just film something, yeah you know yeah the, just the whole some pre-production yeah the whole costume understanding everything. that whole yeah, the whole deal like you said yeah not just like running out and like you know hey i'm gonna film you skateboarding, you know, down right. the street or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, we, we definitely like to have meaning with, with yeah. everything that we totally. do. Totally. So are you guys like, cause I feel like, I mean, is, is there anybody who's like, I feel like, you know, the Denver film society and, you know, uh, and these other programs should totally like take notice of you guys. Have you guys had like any like conversations or you guys noticed like any like 
have you gotten any like feedback from them we, or anything like that? We haven't. We're we're definitely ready to start getting out there more. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's just been. It just seems like um, everything that could have went wrong happened during the last leg of filming this project. So, okay. So once we we have it out, then we can finally right, right, kinda, right. Yeah, because you, you guys are definitely more focused on making the thing than you are about like I guess you know like like well we'll you know we're, we're gonna we're gonna concentrate on this first and then when sure. they, when it gets to that point you know yeah exactly and and I think it's really important that the kids are involved in that too mm-hmm. and oh, nice. you know like we spent so much time on this now let's show everyone that we can sure you know? like like designing posters exactly. or something like like kind of like our promotional artwork and stuff like that exactly nice that's awesome yeah. that's really awesome so it's like it's literally from beginning to the very end of like every phase. production exactly yeah. Wow. yeah awesome that's really cool that's great so um so we decided so what 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 would be a good topic to talk with Marcos. So um, what we came up with today for our top five is we're going to be talking top five movies that made us fall in love with cinema as a kid. So I I feel like that ties in pretty well with the program and everything. I mean, I think everybody at one point in their life that loves movies, you know, you definitely first fall in love with movies as a kid. And those movies that get you off the, you know, right. they stick with you forever. That, you that know, inspire you to like want to actually like make something. Yeah, exactly, you know? and do something. Yeah, and like, so oh, I want to do that. Like, I want to create that. You know, how do I do that? And, and yeah, you know, you're exactly. On, you're on a roll. Exactly. So yeah, this is going to be interesting. This is going to be fun. Little discussion here. Yeah. Um, we're gonna let our guests start it off, I guess. Or no, nah, cool. I'll start it off. We'll go in a circle. We'll have you go last sure. on each one or whatever. So <laughs> I'm gonna start no off. With, I'm gonna start it off with my <laughs> no number five. So on my list, I actually um, I ordered I I ordered it chronologically now as to when these movies came out, and so it's kind of naturally falls into where you know my number one movie was the first movie I fell in love with type of thing you know so, so it's like a, it's a sl- it's a backwards oh, we're going backwards in time chronologically here. but backwards yeah we're going backwards chronologically All and right. um, <laughs> so my number five is well it came out in 1994 so I was actually in high school but uh, you know when you're still in high school you're still a kid so sure. my oh, yeah. number I, my, most of mine are when I was in high school so. so yeah there you go exactly so my number five is. Uh, 1994's Clerks, directed by Kevin Smith. Oh, and um, yep. this is one of those movies where I first, like, I was taking um, – actually, it inspired me to sign up for the mm-hmm. motion picture production class that C- offered through CEC when I was in high school. And uh, it was w- it was just where I actually saw Which something. Which was the Colorado Education Center. Career Education Center. Career Education Center. Through, education through, 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 uh, through Denver Public Denver Schools. schools yeah. But um, – it's like it was. I think it was the first time when I like watched something that I was like, "Wow, I think I could actually do that. I could make something like that." You know, yeah. I could. Yeah, because I was, could make a film on that level. You exactly. know, and that's, it, that's I, what it, was. it was entertaining. I could, you know, as an angsty teen, kind of relate to this whole '90s slacker mentality <laughs> that was going on in it and everything. So, um, yeah. So my number five is Clerks. Yeah, um, that's totally an inspirational movie for someone who's like, "Wait, I can do that." You know, yeah. I can. I have like something to say, and what it's just yeah. I'm putting a camera in front of two guys, and they're just talking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And oh my gosh, that's amazing! And yeah. it's yeah, and it's great dialogue, and you want to do that and make and it so, funny. And, and even for my authentic. money, Clerks yeah. might still be his my favorite Kevin Smith movie. So yeah, probably it's, mine it's too. It's kind of been yeah, you know so, right. It's it's 
It's so low budget, but I, I don't know. It, it does it. It does it for me. It's I love raw it. And I still love it to this day. I know it's not like a cinematic masterpiece, but to <laughs> me, it's my number I don't know, five. But like, and it's like, and it's it, and the way it was like presented, and like you said, like it's like this guy just you know he had maxed out his credit maxed cards out his credit cards, and you know th- I'm gonna develop this myself and put mm-hmm. it out there, mm-hmm. and, and what, it was good. Yeah, and what's crazy, great. like today, he could you could make clerks today on your phone. Yeah, I would, say, I would say like for two thousand dollars, maybe you know, maybe, like, yeah. <laughs> you could literally take out your phone and go film Clerks right now in, yeah. in black and white. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I think that's going back to the Tomorrow Maker films. I mean, I think it's just those kids in your program are really came along it came along at a lucky time where just technology is mm-hmm. so accessible. available yeah. and accessible, and yeah. Yeah. it's cheaper now too. Yeah. You know, we're not shooting film; we're shooting digital right uh, video files that. Yeah. But at the same time, you still like you want to teach them like aesthetics and you know like this is how you set up a shot and you know this kind of thing you know those kind of no. But I mean, like the majority of the clerk's budget was just for the film stock and getting it developed. That's true. So that's true. So that's my number five clerks. What do you got? Uh, I got number five for me, and like I said, a lot of these might be from like when I was in high school when I was like starting to like hey maybe this is something that I want to do or just appreciate be like a professional appreciator. Anyway, my number five. This was actually I wasn't in high school. Uh, Number five, raising Arizona. Okay. The Coen Brothers' second film, I think. Yeah. And I was maybe, God, this came out in 89, maybe? So I was I'll like to look 11, 12 <laughs> when it came yeah. out. Yeah. And I don't know. It just, I grew up loving like Chuck Jones, Looney Tunes cartoons. Uh-huh. Those are like my favorite, you know, cartoons growing up. And when I saw Raising Arizona, I didn't make the connection at the time. I did later, but I was like, wow, this is like a live action Looney Tunes <laughs> cartoon. And I thought, like, wow, if somebody, if filmmakers can do that, then I want to try and do that too. Like, that's the kind of like, you know, f- just frantic energy and comedy that I just always loved, and I've always like held at such a high standard of those kind of like, you know, movies, those kind of comedies. And so, yeah, that was that was like one of the first one okay. first movies that I was like, wow, I want to I want to do that. Like, I, I want to somehow replicate that, and you know. And how do they do that? You know, that kind of thing. So it got me interested in, you know, film and filmmaking and those kinds of things. Cool. So, yeah, yeah, 1987. Yeah. Oh, I was okay then. A couple no, years I was, back. I was, <laughs> I, was yeah. I was eight years old. So, yeah. yeah. Well, maybe you saw it on video and it, things took longer to yeah. get the video back things then. Things took longer too. to get the video. So, yeah. <laughs> took but like still. a year. So it, it yeah, wasn't like still three months. Fantastic. <laughs> cool. All right, Marcos, what do you got for us? Um, My, the first film that kind of got me thinking about like, the process and how it was put together was Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just because it, for the time it was just so, so left field, you know, mm-hmm. um, the storytelling wasn't linear. The, um, it, it, it relished in the violence as opposed to the norm for the days, which was just to kind of like either gloss over it or to, um, not even show it. But I mean, this reveled in it. And I, I just thought that, the the dialogue was I mean like the diner scene you know like that's I don't know like eight minutes just this diner conversation and you're completely engaged mm-hmm. and I th- I think and I may not have like been consciously aware but I think that's one of the first films that I started thinking about like this is really cool the way this is put together yeah yeah I mean it's like it's the one thing about Tarantino movies it's like you just his imprint is so strong oh, on yeah. his movies you just you feel you feel it you feel you could feel like a f- you feel like a filmmaker when you watch it because you're like, wow, look at how he does this shot. And I've never right. noticed that before. I've never paid attention to shot selection and pacing and narrative. And But now I am because I'm watching something that feels completely unique and different. 
But yeah, I mean that's that's how I've always felt too about Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, um, those first two movies especially. Mm-hmm. You know, just just blew you away in terms of all that stuff. Yeah, I actually had to toss it. I had a toss up between putting for that number five either Clerks or Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. I ended up going with Clerks because I just felt like that was one one that I w- that made me inspired to be like I can do it. But Pulp Fiction was like one of the f- ones that like truly blew my mind when mm-hmm. I first saw that at, at that back in '94 at that. Y- impressionable age i mean i'd just never seen anything like it you know right. the the mm-hmm. skipping around in the timeline of the story was just like whoa it, it, i mean everything about it blew my mind so yeah i have a few honorable mentions and that would definitely be one of them so nice. cool. no. so what's your number five? all right my number my number four, four sorry four four I'm already getting mixed up Emmy's <laughs> already getting mixed up okay um my number four is Okay, back in like 19, well, this film com- came out in 1986, so probably about like 1987 or so. Um, they had like a free preview of HBO and Cinemax on <laughs> Mile week, High Cable Vision. Memorial Day weekend. That's what it was called, yeah. <laughs> so the cool thing was after that free preview, they somehow never turned it off. So we, <laughs> we <laughs> had like HBO and Cinemax free for like two or three years. Awesome. So like me and my sister, we had just gotten a VCR, so we like – taped movies off there all the time and in in uh so that so my number four is stand by me and uh, oh, by so rob okay. reiner and um it's like just one of those perfect coming of age movies i think i was just old enough to like relate to those guys a little bit and everything and i seriously remember it i was like stand by me is my favorite movie <laughs> uh, and i rec- we recorded it off hbo had like a vhs copy and i think i i remember like like checking off how many times I'd seen it and that I lost track at like 15 or 20, <laughs> you know, or something like that. But I've seen that movie so many times and I love it. And it's one of those ones that kind of blows your mind too. It's like, wow, these kids are like using the F word <laughs> and stuff, you know? And it's like, well, me and my friends do too. Sometimes I guess when adults aren't around. So it's like, you could totally relate to that, you know? Yeah. And it's just, it's that, you know, wonderful Stephen King coming of age story, you know? And, um, it's just great filmmaking too, you know. It's one of those ones that just I, I love it. I always have, and um, yeah, that's my number four. Stand by me. Yeah, it's definitely like a. Um, I don't want to say it's like it's like it feels like a, like a boy movie. Like if you're oh um, yeah, if absolutely. You, you know, you're growing up and you have boys. Maybe you know you'd show that to them, and you they they could totally relate to that. And that's how it always like felt to me. It was like oh this, maybe not so much. Girls, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they did. I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, everybody had kind of the the. Everybody had a Vern friend. Everybody had a crazy <laughs> Teddy yeah. friend, you yeah. know, in the neighborhood and everything. And like everyone had their best friend, you know, their mm-hmm. Chris Chambers, you know, and everything. So <laughs> I mean, Chambers. like, uh, and then you know, there was always those asshole older kids in the neighborhood, right. you know, those, right. the Kiefer Sutherlands, you know, <laughs> and <laughs> everything. So I mean, it's just like it. It was a. Thr- I think growing up in the eighties, it was like. You could still relate to it, man. These kids, they were outside a lot, you know. They, were, mm-hmm. they, you know, rode their bikes, yeah. you know. They didn't, you know. And, like, yeah. we were still, you know, we, we were still like that, you know. That's mm-hmm. how we could totally relate to it. I mean, I'm curious this today if, how, if kids can relate to that movie. I'm not sure. Well, know, I think it's it, it, the, the, it, it it's, is it's timeless the, in a way, but, you It's know. the type of movie because I think, like, for the next generation, their movie was, like, The Sandlot. Yeah, true, you know, and true. it's kind of the same type of yeah. movie. Obviously, not as dark. Yeah, not as dark. But you sure. know, it's it's the same thing of like you know boys bonding, coming together. You know, and they're different types, different personalities, and you know yeah. those kinds of things. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, Sandlot's another great mm-hmm. mention mm-hmm. right there for sure. 
Cool. What All do you right. got, Demi? Uh, for number my number four, kind of taking a little bit of a detour. Um, I it's it's Annie Hall by Woody Allen, and um, I just I grew up I kind of grew up with Woody Allen because my mom was a huge Woody Allen fan. So by the time I was maybe like I don't know seven years old, eight years old. I was watching Woody Allen movies with my mom. This, this explains <laughs> everything. <laughs> and it was, you know, I, and I just, I obviously didn't understand what I was watching at the time. But as I grew older, I began to appreciate it and appreciate it like, wow, that's, you know, it's, it's incredibly smart. And, you know, I guess you can always say pseudo intellectual and that kind of thing. But, you know, I, the, the comedy just sort of like stuck to me and I, mm. I, I, I enjoyed it and I thought like kind of the same way that like, you know, in a way that Clerks was, it was always just, you know, people talking, you know, that, uh-huh. that's, that's it. And it's entertaining. Like, wow, how do you do that? How do you right. write like that just to make people talking? How do you make that so entertaining and so funny? So, you know, as I grew older, I wanted to write like that, you know, and nowadays it's a little hard to separate, you know, Woody Allen, the man from Woody Allen, the movies that he makes. So, you know, I feel kind of like strange whenever I'm like, you know, wanting to talk about, you know, something like, oh, I enjoy Annie Hall or Manhattan or, you know, these kinds of movies, but they're fantastic movies, you know, crimes and misdemeanors. And, you know, and the fact that he's so prolific, I mean, the fact that he's still making movies and he's makes, you know, he makes movies at least like one movie a year. I mean, it's still pretty amazing, yeah. you know. So anyway, that's, uh, that's, that's my number four. Annie Hall. Awesome. Great. Uh, Marcos, number four. Well, my, my four is, um, I combine these two okay. and it's, it's for the same reason. I, I used, um, Mi Familia and Selena as number four. Nice. And, um, for me it's, it's because this, both of these films, well, one, they use the same actors and in both films because there's not that oh, many yeah. Latino ones to go <laughs> around. Um, and then mainly it's because that was kind of, uh, those movies came at a time when um, I, I guess I was what, seventh or eighth grade and we were, my mom taught a Mexican dance group. Mm-hmm. And so we were around culture all the time, but we were in Durango. So all the culture was in our house. It, yeah. it felt like, right. and so all of the kids in the group. That was something that kind of spoke to us. We finally had a movie with people yeah. like us yeah. that had you know culture, mm-hmm. um, cultural situations that we went through, and and it was really I don't know. I guess at the time we didn't appreciate it. It was just something that we watched over and over, sure. and we understood. But now looking back, the movies may not be that great in in retrospect, but the that that kind of feeling of like, oh, this is a movie that kind of represents things that your family goes through. Yeah. That's what was important yeah. to it. It's kind of like a cultural reservoir because you, you, had, you had nothing before that. I mean, maybe what you had like La Bamba. Yeah. That was and like a Mexican-American made movie. In the 50s. And that was still pretty like. Well, no, I mean, when it came yeah. out in the oh, 80s. Oh, yeah, def- yeah, yeah. yeah, definitely. And then, you know, like, yeah. be, and then between that and like you said, Mi Familia and, and, um, and, and Selena, like there was a few here and there. Um, but yeah, like yeah. you had nothing, and then there was you had that, and it, like you said, it, it showed you like, oh, those people look like me, and they have my, na-, you know, same thing, you know, and this is my culture and all that stuff, and you, you know, it's just it was so appreciative of that, and and you know, and it, I, I remember it, that same thing too. I mean, in my house too, it was the same thing. Like huh. we'd watch Selena, we watched Me Familia, and it was, I mean, they're not the best movies, but hey, like we hey, can relate to that. Right like the now. family is uh-huh. like my family and they're doing the same things that my family does and having the same like issues and problems and getting over it. Yeah, that kind of thing. So yeah, I yeah. totally understand. Hey, people love it. They're having the, 
Selena movie party down here at the Alamo Draft really? House down the street, and it's almost sold out already. So I think people I just love Selena. Yeah. I don't know if they love Selena the movie or they just love Selena well, the, the person. J, J- Lo did an amazing job in that movie she did. too. And she uh, did. was that her first like major? Starring role, I think it really was. She was she was in the 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 train movie with Wesley Snipes, mm-hmm. and I can't remember what that was called. It was like Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson. It was after they made White Man Can't Jump. God, and they were like tra- they were like stealing from like a subway or something. Yeah, that was, was like before. a heist, and that, I think that was her first movie. And okay. then she, yeah, but know. she's like the star of it. No, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah no, she her singing lead and she, role because she guess, did. Yeah. Did she do her own singing for Selena, or did they dub her voice? I think they dubbed her. Did they dub her? Okay, yeah, that makes sense because I guess you know it's not yeah. like you know. When you're doing that, that kind of like yeah, major stuff. It's a hard act to follow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can't mimic that closely. Yeah, no doubt. Cool. Well, that brings us to number three. My number three is 1985's The Goonies, directed by nice. Richard Donner. I mean, it's <laughs> it kind of for me, it kind of goes hand in hand with Stand by Me. Does. Really, you yeah. Know, they I was going like, to say <laughs> it's got to yeah, handcuff those. Yeah, two. totally. I mean, you know, Stand by Me is a little darker for sure. I agree with mm-hmm. you, Demetrio. Like Goonies is more. But, I mean, uh, Goonies was like me, my sister, we watched that so many times, too, you know? Yeah. Same deal. I think we recorded it, too. watched it a, a whole bunch of times. Actually, I remember before we even had a VCR, like, we'd rent a VCR occasionally. My parents would let us, like, you know, the Blockbuster or whatever. whatever. They'd rent a VCR. <laughs> you rent a VCR? Oh, yeah. We'd rent a VCR and we rented Goonies and we'd it watch had a, it. Like, it had a handle, yeah, like, had a, like briefcase. a handle, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I remember those days. Before our family could afford that, we could oh, yeah. get a rental and we would, like. You'd, yep. We would get Goonies and watch it like four times in a row, you know, like rewind <laughs> it, watch it again, rewind <laughs> it, watch it again. But I mean, it's another one of the things. It was always like you felt like you could be those kids. You oh, know, yeah. You, mm-hmm. you wanted to go on that adventure. You know, you you wanted it. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. It's totally like it's it's a Stand By Me is, is a movie where the kids are being forced to grow up. And the Goonies is like never is like Peter yeah, Pan. Yeah, we don't want to grow. We up. don't want to grow. Yeah, up. yeah. Exactly. How do we stay as children? We can we can do these and we can go on these amazing adventures and stay in Neverland yeah. and never have to grow up. Yeah, but so. still, you know, it's still you know about like being at that age and deciding like what's you know being forced into adulthood or you know choosing yeah. to stay as a child, I guess, or something. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's a great movie and I think it still holds up and I think even kids nowadays would relate to it you know oh, yeah. I mean, oh, absolutely i think yeah i've i've known um and it's one of those that's always scre- they always like i th- we went and saw it they had like one of those movies in the park a couple summers ago and they screened it and you know that's cool it mm-hmm. was perfect like movie three generations watching oh, yeah. it you know totally some for the it's first a, it's, time it's or pretty whatever, timeless you know? yeah i think I'm it'll be pretty timeless that. for a long time I'm dreading the eventual reboot of that. Yeah, you think so, or right? Oh, I, think I feel like it's coming. a matter of time. I think as long as they rebooted, as long as Steven so. Spielberg is still kind of like holding because he holds the rights. So I think as oh, long as he does, that's good. There won't be one. But as soon as like you know, <laughs> thirty years from now, hopefully forty years from now, fifty years from now, when he yeah. finally you know, yeah, mo- passes on, then it might be remade. But as long as I think he still holds on to it. We're that's good. Cool. I mean, okay. there's been there rumors of a sequel. sequel yeah, like, I think we would see eventual like sequel. Like, here's their kids, and they're the Goonies it. now. You know, let's just whatever. Leave it. Let's just leave it as is. <laughs> yeah, no sequels, no reboots. Right? Wouldn't right, that be right. amazing? Yeah. So that's my number three, the Goonies. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Uh, my number three uh, is also one of those movies from the '80s that uh, just kind of like stayed with me as I be- as I got older, and I always would go back to is something that I'd watch like at least like once a year, twice a year, and then when I went to film school, it was something that I sort of like wanted to emulate as far as like the production of it and everything. Not that I wanted to make this movie, 
but just the 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 work that went into it, and that's uh, James Cameron's Aliens from mm. 1986, the sequel to Alien. And that movie kind of right now at this very moment is sort of like a hot topic because the new one's out. And I think like Alien, Alien was obviously the, the, the forerunner, but Aliens is the one that set the, the sort of the standard that every mm-hmm. following Alien movie is now you know, compared to, to yeah. you know. But uh, for me, it was just always I, I never actually saw the original Alien uh, growing up. Like, I think I, I was yeah, just I too saw, scared. Or I saw I just, Aliens I just never, first, too. Yeah, yeah, I saw I saw Aliens first. And so that was always like the movie. And I loved it then. And I just. And then I learned when I learned about filmmaking, I just had this awe of for it. It just became like wow, this this inspiration of how hard they worked at it, and that the fact that it still holds up today, like the special effects and the you know the cinematography, it still looks so good. And the fact that it was made in '86 and all those effects are practical. There's, right. there's no CGI, you know, and it can you can still like compare it to you know Prometheus or you know Alien Covenant and those kind of movies. So, yeah, just the just the work in it. And of course, it's a fantastic movie as well. Oh, yeah, so well written. Oh, f- yeah, phenomenal. like you can't. Which hide. is like James Cameron's not even. He doesn't even like writing. Yeah, he still fan- managed to make this fantastic. You know, uh, you know, write this fantastic screenplay. You know, with a strong heroine and all these things. You know, so mm-hmm. yeah, totally. Yeah, not to totally get sidetracked on Alien Covenant or anything like that, but I was listening to a podcast where they were discussing it, and it's been a very polarizing thing. E- either everybody loved it or hated it, you know, and I'm one of the weird ones that kind of falls somewhere in, in the middle, but this, the guy speaking on the podcast, it was actually the Shockwaves. It's this horror podcast I listened to. The guy Rob G's talking was saying, basically, here's the deal with the Alien sequels. <laughs> You're never going to make a movie that's better than the first two, Alien right. or Aliens. Yeah. So... Don't ever try to compare them <laughs> to it because you're never going to make one that's yeah. better than those yeah. two, you know? But it's, it's, it, it always comes up. And every time the, you can you can read any review, any major review, like, uh, you know, New York Times, uh, Variety, and they will mention mm-hmm. the first one or the second one yeah. in comparison. So, yep. yeah, it's, it's, it's hard act to yeah. follow. Yeah. yeah. All right, Marcos, your number three. My number three is um, The Twilight Zone. And I know it's Whoa. not a film, <laughs> but I, I no the the movie Whoa. Twilight Zone no oh okay the, wow. the show actually oh, okay the show okay. Just, that's just perfect the, okay. yeah yeah because that's I was like wow the movie Twilight Zone like, okay hey, no I like that one too <laughs> I, <laughs> influential to me growing up but yeah it was a crazy eighties movie yeah yeah that is I'll give it that okay. Um, no, I, I think this show just because I know I'm bending the rules a bit, but I think no, that's a good pull. Yeah, that's fine. I like it's it. um, probably my greatest source of um, inspiration in terms of character development and writing, storytelling. Just yeah. oh my god, Rod, Rod Serling is just a genius, like a god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, god. Yeah, there you go. I agree. Yeah, that, totally. Like you could you could study that and learn how to create you know a story in 20 minutes sure. you know that has a big be- you know beginning middle end a twist uh good character development oh you know good narrative and all that good stuff yeah no i totally totally agree that it's it's yeah this the gold standard for, yeah. for those kinds of like short films that, that would follow i guess you know and i guess the best thing about the twilight zone is you it was so all over the place you just never knew what to expect with mm-hmm. any episode you know yeah. It could be aliens. It could be something that's just a psychological. Supernatural. Right? Supernatural. Yeah. There's, you know. Science um, fiction. You any know. kind of science fiction. Yeah. So and at the end of the day, it's it's still about the people. Like yeah. It's, you know, and all of the the sci-fi elements kind of are just there in, in the in the foreground, but it's really like it's about this person's journey. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what's so cool about it is it right. doesn't get taken over by the, you know, the 
the sci-fi element. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's what, I mean, that's what the best sci-fi really does, really. Oh, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like any best sci- any of the best science fiction, that's, that's what it does. So Totally. I heard Brian Singer was trying to do, um, I don't know what happened with that, but I heard that he was going to do like a, a film reboot of that. Like a film reboot? Yeah. yeah. See, yeah. it's, they, they tried and it just didn't work. It didn't work in so many ways. Yeah. <laughs> there were a couple of them on that, though. The, but the, the Twilight's on the movie. There was a few that were. No, I mean it, it was it was it was a good effort. Yeah, but you know people died. And, oh yeah, well you know, not yeah. I'm not talking about that. And <laughs> just you know, and then the fact that they they just remade um, stories from the show. Yeah. Too, so. mm-hmm. I'm not trying to shit. No, on no, no. For me, that was kind of the first time. That was my first taste of it, though. So oh really? You know, Twilight so Zone. I, yeah, for oh, okay. the movie, the '80s movie. So I didn't, you know. Gotcha. See, I remember they did show the reruns though, like. Oh yeah, day. like oh, still, yeah. it was still on TV when we were totally up, like Fourth of July. July. Yeah, it's a good. Oh right, yeah, the, the, mar- the marathons, marathons, yeah, marathons, yeah. marathons yeah. yeah, like that. And Alfred Hitchcock would be yeah. the ones that like now, now like Netflix has a whole. Oh yeah, you can so. watch the whole thing. And cool. Someday I'd like to see every single one. I have not seen every single bucket one. list. Yeah, mm-hmm. bucket <laughs> list. Add that up. <laughs> All right, my number two is 1984's The Neverending Story. It's one of those that like. It's another one like just you know captured my imagination as a child um it was fantasy it was i mean you could relate to the kid reading the story um it was dark it was like it was really dark for a kids movie actually you know and like this is you know that's the and you're like wow scary things can happen in the (laughs) world you know dark things can happen in the world but um i don't know there was just something like i think Growing up in the 80s as a kid, it was kind of just a rite of passage to watch that movie mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. experience that movie and get sad when the horse dies yeah, in the swamp. You, you and, were, uh, it was like your first foray into, like, these emotions that you've never actually yeah, been like encountered. Yeah, like in a child's mm-hmm, movie, you know? the horse is not supposed to die. The horse know? isn't supposed to die. And then, like, I had a huge crush on the princess girl. Uh, but, I, you know, was, that was, like, my first, like, wow, I like girls? Like, what's this? You <laughs> yeah. know, like, I don't know. What's yeah. this weird feeling I have? <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, like, I think everyone can relate to the – kid reading the main kid reading the book of this you know being bullied and yeah. stuff mm-hmm. and then you know he liked to read get, yeah yeah and then get, well people listeners to this podcast you can relate to the you know and uh you know and who didn't want a sweet dog dragon at the end right like you know terrify the bullies, the bullies yeah, get and make them jump into a dumpster, revenge of the know? nerds yeah exactly so that might the prequel to yeah revenge. yeah so my number two is um is never any story. It's one of those that I, I guess it's the first like fantasy type film that I ever loved and right. enjoyed. It stuck, and, with, it stuck yeah, with you. It stuck like, with you me. You had it like you, it's, it's yeah. A, so it's part of your. I being. remember I had like the little um, uh, like storybook adaptation, kids book adaptation from I got from school or something, and mm-hmm. I just remember reading it over and over <laughs> and over again, and like. Even knew how to pronounce all the weird names and stuff in it, you know. So, <laughs> so it was like your Lord of the Rings. Yeah, you it was know, my like Lord of the Rings. Some kids like grew up with Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. And Rings you had my reading story was, sure. was your like yeah, your absolutely fantasy to, to to grow up in love. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Don't reboot that either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never know, man. Uh, okay, my number two, uh, kind of in the same vein of that like '80s kind of spectacle, um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, That's always been my, my go-to, go back to, go back to the well, you know, 
just the for me it's like the the epic for me that's epic cinema. I yeah. know that like, some people it's like well you know like there's stuff like Lawrence of Arabia and those kind of movies, but for me it was always when I growing up for me it was Raiders of Lost Ark. You know like wow oh, yeah. like, this is I've never seen anything like this before. You know the adventure and the you know the stunts and the the Mel- story and Nazis just blew my right, right. Blew, small little mind like, dude exactly <laughs> blowing your small little mind like you don't want to watch this but it is so cool you know <laughs> yeah. like I should be afraid of this but I think this is so exciting and I want to see more of it and. You know, and you just you love that character. You know, you love that hero so much. You want to you want to be that person, mm-hmm. and you know, you want to run outside and just start doing those things. And um, and then you know, as like as like I said with Aliens, you know, as I got older, you know, you appreciate the filmmaking aspect of it, and uh, and what went you know with what they went through to, to to and the writing and all that stuff, you know, and crafting of the story and all that good stuff. So yeah, yeah. I what think the it? the newer one made me appreciate. That oh, more too. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's gosh. like that's like aliens. Yeah, yeah. Always, well, that makes me appreciate aliens more. Yeah, the new one definitely. Yeah. You're like, Same. oh gosh, that's kind of sad. Spielberg yeah. too. So yeah, that's Spielberg again. <laughs> I don't know. I think well, there, there, we we, we get into out. that. We yeah. need a whole thing about Crystal Skull. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, we'll just appreciate Raiders, the original, yeah. for for what it was. Fantastic movie. Awesome. All right, number two. Marcus. Number two. Yeah. So my number one and two are, they tell the same story. I think number one and two are the two films that actually made me want to make, like made me consider, hey, maybe I should make movies and not do music for a little bit and just explore this. Okay. So number two would be Iron Man. Okay. Right. And, um, nice. <laughs> I and, like it. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty recent film. Yeah. But hey, I, nothing I, wrong with that. There's just something about seeing, and I mean, I'm, I'm the biggest X-Men Marvel fan growing up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I still am. I'm... Right now, I'm not. I don't know. That's another thing. The comic state right now is a different story. But True. it's there's just something about seeing, um, like this character that you've grown up with, translated perfectly yeah. on the big screen. Totally. And I think that was the first chance. For, that was the first time I really saw that. I think you know X Men. Um, although we love the characters, I, I, my brother and I, we never felt like, yeah, that's that's who Cyclops is. Like, that's mm-hmm. what he should be. You right. Same with Spider-Man. I, you know, like, there were really cool moments, but I yeah. think a lot of people kind of feel like Tobey Maguire was not sure. Peter Parker. Sure. But, I mean, just seeing, like, a translation that's better than the comics yeah. was like, wow, this this is possible. Yeah. And uh, to see how they kind of mapped out. No, you totally hit the nail on the head. Like, that's... I think you, you're right. Like, there was always... You know, something that like the Batman movies, like I remember loving mm-hmm. those when I was growing up, but I was like a kid and I was like, well, we don't have anything else like this. Right. So here's, here's Batman. Here's Batman movie. Way, yay, I'm excited. But for the first time, I think they were like, wow, we're going to do like a straight adaptation. And Robert Downey Jr. was born to play Tony oh, yeah. Stark. He plays him exactly how he is in the comics. And this is exactly how, you know, the, the story goes in the comics and the characters and the, you know, all that stuff. Because, yeah, like you said before, you know, X-Men, eh, yeah, it wasn't a – they they were characters in name only, but they didn't act the same. They didn't look the same. Whereas in Iron Man, they're like, we're going to make him look like he does in the comics. We're not afraid to, to change it, yeah. you know, whereas mm-hmm. in X-Men, well, we don't want him to look too comic booky, you know, yeah. or Batman. We're not going to make him look exactly like he does in the comics. Yeah. And we're going to kind of change this and change mm-hmm. that, you know. But, yeah, Marvel, they were just like, let's just go for it. Let's just make this direct adaptation yeah. and see if it works. And yeah, totally. The birth of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yep. Too. Yeah. But yeah, no, you're right. Like that's it, it was kind of like it was gutsy. You know, you could feel oh, yeah. it. You could feel that sort of like we're just going to go all in on this. You know, it's we think it's going to work, but you know, what the hell? So, yeah. yeah. And now it's our the right. one genre that's guaranteed to be successful. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And now look what it. Now look what they did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can do anything. <laughs> Very cool. 
Cool. Yeah, I like it. All right, this brings us to number one. Um, so, my number one is you know I've I've had this discussion several times with people. That some people ask you, "What's the movie you've seen the most times?" You know, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Man, I don't know. I Weird have science. to really think about it." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess D- Demetrio doesn't have to think about it, but um, and it I think it for me it all goes back to The Wizard of Oz, 1939s, hmm. directed by Victor Fleming, The Wizard of Oz. Um, and, and, and growing up, uh, I s- we would go up to my grandma's house, and she had. Before VCRs even existed, they had these video discs. They weren't laser discs. It was like these video discs. Whoa. Uh, they came in this plastic. It was crazy. But there, it, was, it was like the machines were manufactured by RCA only. Uh-huh. There were these big plastic discs. You stuck them in, pulled them out, and then you'd have to flip it halfway through. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all she had were these old westerns and stuff. And the only movie, <laughs> the only two movies me and my sister were interested in watching were Wizard of Oz and Star Wars, you know? Oh, nice. So, um, but I feel like, I mean... Wizard of Oz just it's it's a classic story we've all grown up with it as a, as a, as a kids um the filmmaking in it was just phenomenal for its time you know and the the I I to this day I love the whole blending of the black and white and then turns to color when she gets to Oz um mm-hmm. I even tried to rip that off a little bit in a student film I did as a in film <laughs> school and everything so um but yeah, I mean, it's just so. I mean, it all boils down to Wizard of Oz for me. Growing up, it's the movie I've probably seen the most times. It was, and it was always on it, TV yeah. every year. You yeah, know, that for like some, annual you know, Thanksgiving. Yeah. Back when we had Easter. like limited amount of channels, so yeah. you know, we'd always it watch it every event. holiday. Yeah, yeah. like oh, the Wizard of Oz is on yeah. Saturday night or whatever. So we, I've seen it so many times, and uh, I love it. I still love it to this day. So. Mm-hmm. Cool. My number one, Wizard of Oz. You got a little Oz. bit of a uh, little bit of backstory too, Wizard of Oz. Oh yeah, well, you mentioned it. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> Don't be so shy. So L. Frank Baum is like a third cousin of my, on my grandma's side. Oh, wow. So so yeah. I'm very very distantly distantly related to L. Frank Baum. So that was That's part cool. of the reason that my grandma was so into <laughs> the Wizard of Oz and kind of <laughs> always That's had cool, like though. she would always give us Oz books and then right, know, right, and yeah. all this stuff. I bet she stuff. would like buy it, like for any like well I'm getting a VCR so now I got to buy it on VHS. So yeah. I'm gonna get a, a yeah. laserdisc player. I got to buy it on laserdisc. Yeah, disc I game. think we've. Between that, between my grandma and my <laughs> sister, we've owned that on every format that's exactly. ever existed right, yeah. in the history of, of all that. But yeah, back in um, back in Danville, Illinois, where my the cemetery where my grandma's buried, there's lots of bomb like the descendants of all the of L. Frank Baum are all buried in that same small little cemetery right. too. So yeah. it's pretty interesting. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, cool. Nice connection. So it's yeah, it's totally. always been and the fact that you did connect with the movie, like yeah. you could have just been like, <laughs> yeah. oh, it was Oz, yeah, yeah, that's cool, so, you yeah. know. But so it's always been it's always been dear to it's me. Ingrained so. in you. Yeah, it's <laughs> literally. So that's it. Yeah, Wizard cool. of Oz for me. Awesome. Number one. All right, my number one. Uh, this movie um, was basically the movie that convinced me to go to film school. Um, it came out, uh, I think, the year after I graduated from high school, and uh, I was kind of you know my first year of college. I was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to major in? You know, you go through all those questions, and it was the movie Train Spotting by Danny Boyle. <laughs> And this was something that just, you know, blew my mind when I first saw it. And the fact, you know, all the the um, 
the unconventional narrative and camera work and things that I, I felt like I had never seen before, but I had been told like, oh, he borrowed that from this and he borrowed that from that. And I was like, what? Like, where, how do I find these movies? How come I never watched these movies before? And so it got me into my, not only my like, you know, appreciation of movies, but like wanting to actually like, oh, can I do this kind of thing? Or can I make this? And so that's, you know, that was just something for me that, I don't know, like it was just, and the story, I couldn't, I probably couldn't like re- relate to you beat by beat what happens in the movie, but it was just more of the the kinetic, the, the filmmaking aspect of it is what I just loved. You know, even like the opening titles and everything like that. Mm-hmm. I just soundtrack, everything. Soundtrack, everything. You know, just the filmmaking experience of it just excited me so much. And so, yeah, train spotting. Nice. Yeah, cool. Just interesting. Good choice. All right. Um, I guess that leaves me. Yeah. Yep. Number one. Yeah. Um, X Men, and I, I'm very aware that I have two superhero movies on my okay, list. Well. But okay. I, I have a good case for this. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, so X Men are the characters that are the most nearest and dearest to me, um, growing up, and I think following the news, like once we heard they were making a movie, um, I think that's when my brother and I learns how to be internet spies and we just we would check the news every day <laughs> sure 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 and um and we just and doing this for so many years um i kind of fell in love with the process because when mm-hmm. you when you're like okay now they're in casting now they're in pre-production mm-hmm. now they're cool. you know editing you know right right and so you kind of feel like you understand the process after yeah, doing yeah. it and that that's been i think that's probably the biggest influence next to the the negative side of the coin which is i just feel like the movies um are are being made by people that don't really um, care about the source material or the characters enough mm-hmm. to do something on the level that Marvel Studios would do. Right. And and in a way that's been a pretty big inspiration because I try to do my stuff. I try to write my characters in a way that I feel like X Men should be written, where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, they obviously care about the character, by the way, you yeah. know. But I mean, when you have so many beloved characters that are that maybe don't speak, that you know that are not really um, who they should be. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of makes you, it kind of irks you a little bit. Yeah. And I think that, that that's kind of fueled my own um, sense of self-awareness when it comes to my, my filmmaking work. Mm-hmm. I, wa- I want to try and make stuff that, um, that I would be proud of. And, and since my, my Tomorrow Maker started as a comic book before I even started working with the kids, um, you know, I, I think you have to respect the source material at the beginning of the day. Right. And... And I think that's important. That's why X-Men is my number one. Awesome. Cool. I think it's like, you know, like you can tell like they, you want to like respect the characters. And a lot of times, you know, companies will just buy up these characters and Mm -hmm. just sell them as, you know, just just put a movie out there. We don't care. Or just, it's just selling the name, you know? So like, it's, it's, it's good that you notice that like, you know, like it also influenced like, okay, this is the decisions that they make, you know, and that's important too. You know, it's like, how do they make these decisions? And what's behind that, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, very cool. Any, you guys got any honorable mentions? Sure. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's, let's see. I got a couple here. Um, I'm just going to name them off. Weird Science I mentioned before. <laughs> yeah. That's my all-time. Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Yeah. Evil Dead 2 and Goodfellas. Get a little Martin Scorsese nice, in there. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Singles. Uh, Kevin Crow singles. Singles, yes. Yeah. Uh, mine, I, just, I guess I kind of just focused on movies growing up as a youngster, you know? So, I mean, like, my honorable mentions are, like, Dark Crystal, um, Gremlins, 
E.T., Karate Kid, Home Alone, <laughs> the first Batman movie. First Batman um, movie, blew yeah. Blew my mind. Pee-wee's Big Adventure, we've already talked about that before on our Tim Burton one. Yeah, many times. Um, and then s- the honorable mention that I could, Star Wars, could be on every list we do of every yeah, podcast. That, that <laughs> That's a, how influential it that really is. That was a is. tough one to leave off. I like left Empire, it off, too, because I'm like, the Jedi. yeah, I'm like, either of those on. Whatever topic we do, we can <laughs> somehow put Star Wars on the list. That's how <laughs> it could be included. big of an influence it is on pop culture and <laughs> the stuff that yeah. we grew up on and we were into. So, but yeah. What's your favorite TV moments? Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, it's funny. You have any honorable mentions? Um, I, I would just throw out Sandlot. Yeah, Mommy Sandlot Dearest. Great. I know. Oh, it's nice. A little obscure. No, that's um, awesome. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I, I had a, I really narrowed it down, but those are the first two that comes in my mind. Right cool. Away. Very cool. Great. Great. So for the low five today, we're gonna do something a little bit different. We just are gonna put uh, our guest on the spot here, yeah. um, and I just asked <laughs> him. All the I just asked him to come up with the five biggest challenges that uh, that they face in the Tomorrow Maker Films program and independent filmmaking. What are the five biggest challenges that sure come up? Um, we can just riff on it a little bit as well, you know. So yeah. All right. So. I'll, I'll start with five. I, I think that. Number five challenge would be stamina and energy. Um, I think hmm. indie filmmakers, myself included, a lot of them have nine to fives. So, um, and it, it's pretty easy to just jump into your, your passion project when your job is over, but not everybody who's with you has that same kind of stamina. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that remembering everybody's, you know, limits is key. Yeah. Um, and your own. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, well, like, I remembered in, like, film school like we were kind of were like not necessarily required to help everybody else out on their films but we kind of did it was like you do me a favor and i'll help you you help me type of thing yeah and i just remember some like really really long nights of like really ridiculously long shooting that Mm -hmm. were like why are we still doing (laughs) this why are we doing this this still Uh here you know we're helping this guy and but yeah we're tired we want to go home yeah you know, we're not making, we're not yeah, getting anything not getting for this. Paid. <laughs> we're, maybe, yeah, we're not maybe, getting paid or anything. Yeah. Maybe donuts if we're lucky. But yeah. yeah. So yeah, I can, re- I agree with that. I relate totally. to that. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, number four can be uh, marketing. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I mean, obviously budget restrictions limit mm-hmm. what you can do. And finding the time to switch gears mentally, I found mm-hmm. is, is really hard to do because you have to remember that not everybody's in as deep as you are. Oh, yeah. And so when you push stuff, you want to do it in a way that someone that's never heard of you before will be interested. Oh, totally. And I think that that definitely takes some some awareness to be able to, to switch gears that way. Yeah, I felt like when I was in film school that um, I, I wanted to just focus on, you know, my story and what I was doing. But I felt like I had to like step back and kind of be like a producer too. Like I had to like set up my, you know, set up the, uh, the, the location and, you know, like, Oh, get the word out there and get, mm-hmm. you know, get these actors to come in and call, you know, call these people and do all that stuff too. And so that was really hard to like, fuck, I got to do all this work. Yeah. I just want to like, I just want to do my story here. I just want to like focus on that and make it like, make it interesting, you know, mm-hmm. and figure that stuff out. But then I had to like put your producer hat on. And right. so I felt like that sort of, that totally like turned me off as far as like, you know, the school that we were in didn't really give you any kind of options in terms of, it was just like, well, here, just go make your movie, you know, and mm-hmm. you kind of like had to build relationships on your own. But at the same time, you're like, well, are you going, are you going to help me? Like, like Chris was saying, like, yeah. you, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. But you know, you sometimes couldn't really rely on that, I felt, so. 
Anyway, but I understand, yeah, yeah. that whole marketing part or, or switching hats. Yeah, and there's so many hats on the you, fly. Uh-huh. You know, it's so hard to do. You know. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I agree. Um, okay. Number three is scheduling, um, and I think this is especially frustrating with with my situation because a lot of my uh, cast members are in different schools. Um, so large scenes with, you know, multiple, you know, five or more characters, it doesn't seem like much, but then when you factor in, you know, I have to feed these people, Mm -hmm. I have to figure out transportation. Um, I need to make sure, you know, that if we can carpool, let's do it. Like all of those things take so much away from. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. Like just, just getting that whole logistics of trying to wrangle, um, uh, middle schoolers and grade schoolers into your, into your project. Yeah. I, I tried that. I did that one time. I did a project where that involved a scene shooting at a, at a grade, at a second grade school or a second grade classroom. And that was tough. And they, I had them all, I had them all there, uh-huh. you know, so oh, to, yeah. but still I can, I can't imagine like that's, that's gotta be, sometimes it's gotta be tough, you know, yeah. to do that. Yeah. And there's always something that comes up. There's of always course. like, of course. Oh, he, my son didn't go to school today. So then we have to like cancel when people are driving there or rework sure. it on the fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. wow. Yeah, that's, that sounds like a challenge. That's, yeah. that's impressive that you pull it off, though. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how we did it, but we. it seems like there were at least one of those kind of major things with every every of the – every six – there's six episodes. So every episode there was one challenge like that that somehow we figured it out on the spot and made mm-hmm. it work. Yeah. So. I found it hard to wrangle like four college age people, <laughs> yeah. not much less, you know, yeah. fifth graders. People that can't drive themselves. Places. Yeah, can't yeah. drive themselves. <laughs> oh, some came up. Like, oh, great. Wow. Cool. Um, number two, equipment slash budget. Mm. Um, I think this is pretty common in the indie film world. World is yeah. um, sometimes things break and you don't have the budget to fix it, so sure. you mm-hmm. adapt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, like one example on the last, I think we had two more weeks to film. Um, maybe it was probably even less than that. And I, I wish I could uh, not take the blame, but I, I bumped the camera without screwing it onto the tripod s- with the cage on it, so it was heavier falling, smashed onto the ground, and we broke the the screen from the canister uh, from the from the mm-hmm. cannon. So um, the fix was that we had to attach an HD monitor to it um, that we ordered. And that worked until day two. And <laughs> so we had to return that. And yeah. so with while we waited for a new one, um, we basically lugged around a computer on a cart that was hooked into the Canon through an HDMI cord. And so whenever I moved the camera, someone would have to like wheel the cart <laughs> nice. behind me. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you always got like when you're when you when you start out and doing you know, your own indie thing, you got to look for ways to adapt. Like you said, you know, like thinking of like Robert Rodriguez when he didn't have a oh, dolly. Yeah. So he just sat in a wheelchair and had someone push him. You know, wow. when he was filming El Mariachi, I think. Huh. You know, so that's how he got those shots where he's like, yeah, I don't have a dolly. So got to think of something else. Wow. You know, you guys got to improvise, you know. So yeah, yeah. very cool. And that's something that's even probably gotten easier. I mean, technology is a lot cheaper now technology than it has was, definitely helped. but it's still not free. <laughs> you no, know, yeah. it's still not cheap, cheap. You no. know, like I mean, like lighting and things like that's yeah. that's still not cheap at all. I mean, it's know? crazy to think that, um, like when when I was in film school, uh, you know, we used these pretty expensive cameras that 
now something the size of a GoPro can shoot film or huh. shoot footage that's like just as good. a million Look, times looks, better yeah, actually yeah. Looks, you know looks so, a lot better yeah so yeah it's it's interesting you see how technology has uh helped that evolve but still it's not still's not free it's no. still right. it's still cuz you, you think of like things like like that like oh i need to see what i'm shooting oh that thing broke well okay how can we you know okay yeah. oh it does let's, work uh-huh. yeah yeah you use something else you know yeah so. i mean it's the age you know Technology is wonderful until mm-hmm. it doesn't work. You know? yeah. <laughs> or you just, or you realize like, oh, we need, we need this. And you, you like, I don't know, something like we need like this kind of like microphone or boom or something, or just a, I don't know, just any kind of like thing that like involved in, in filmmaking. It's mm-hmm. just, you know. And I think that's the best lesson is, you know, like, yes, we, we don't have a camera that works, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean, you know, we have to stop. Oh, no, no. And I think yeah. when when we do this over and over, the skin will be thick enough on these kids to where they can go into the real world and, you know, go through their own calamity. And Oh, yeah, it's totally a lesson. Even. Yeah, I think there was something like, oh, God. Oh, it was like a, a John point. Cassavetes movie where the, the, the camera broke, and so the film was, was, it was getting, like, this bad exposure, you know, this, like, kind of, like, strobe effect. Yeah. And he just used it in the movie. He, like, he, he made it a part of, of, the, of the story. That's cool. So, you know, so things like that where you just, you know, like you said, just have to improvise. Yeah. <laughs> But cool, yeah, and teaching life lessons. Nice <laughs> job. <laughs> um, number one would be controlling conditions. Mm. So like we mm. don't we don't have the luxury to build sets, um, yeah, or yeah. a budget. So so we kind of base like I write stories based on what's available to us. Absolutely. You know? So yep. um, we've been using the school a lot, <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, and even at that, you know, we, we don't have control over like the refrigerator noise, the AC, yep. Yep. kids walking Things in the like background that. wanting to watch oh, yeah. you film, yep. and you know all of those things. So. Colorado weather, you don't Ex- have control. Yeah, right, 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 right. Like we we'll, we literally would shoot on um, the same outside scene one day, and it's sunny, and then the next day it would be snowing. And mm-hmm. then the next day you're sunny again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So your continuity yeah. is a little like, you're like, dang, we, can, we can't shoot the window today. Okay, so just close up for right. the rest of the Right, yeah. And, well, yeah. And, th- and that kind of like goes back to like w- when Chris mentioned number, his number five was clerks. Mm-hmm. You know, Kevin Smith did have money for any kind of like to build sets, so he worked at a convenience store. I'm going to write a movie about guys who work at a convenience right. store. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, we can only shoot at night because that's when the convenience store isn't open. So we're just going to put this big tarp up or whatever that covers the whole window and we're going to put that into the story. You know, and things yeah, like that. right about the jammed gum and the locks yeah. into the script. So that's the reason why the, the shutters, the, the shutters are yeah. never open. So it's, it's like when you say like, oh, we have to write, it's going to take place in a school because that's what we have. That's what's available. Now, I, I was, this, you know, I felt the same way when I was like in, in film school. Like, what do I have? What's what's available to me? Oh, mm-hmm. there's this. There's I have this connection. Uh, the movie's going to take place here. It's going to take place in this car or something. Yeah, right. you know? yeah. I mean, I worked at... Mile High Comics at the time, my first stint working for them when I was in film school, and uh-huh. and so I shot like two or three movies of my projects in a comic book store because awesome. that's what I had a- access yeah, to. Yeah, you had know? access to like, it. Yep. You know, so yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember a couple. I remember a guy in our film school wanted to try to make a pirate movie, and <laughs> oh my god, it's like. <laughs> yeah, basically wow. everybody was like, <laughs> "Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah." So I mean, they <laughs> ended up making a really non-piratey looking movie down at like the lake or something and yeah, yeah everything was, was in close-up you know like <laughs> yeah. look at that ship over there <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah you, you kind of got to work with what you have for yeah, sure yeah you know yeah. or what you can budget wise. Have access yeah <laughs> budget wise and i always think if you can do a lot with a little bit then when you do get that budget oh yeah you won't just piss it away right yeah yeah, yeah true. You, you learn yeah. absolutely totally cool well it's been great to have you on yeah it's um, awesome to be here 
Uh, let's tell our uh, listeners where they can find your Tomorrow Maker films again, like sure. all your where you are on the web. All right, you can find us at tomorrowmakerfilms.com, um, Instagram, Tomorrow Makers, Facebook, Tomorrow Makers, uh, Tomorrow Maker Films, I'm sorry, and our YouTube channel is Tomorrow Maker Films, and we have a six-part miniseries that is online now that you can check out. Cool. And, Fantastic. You know, what if awesome. if people wanted to get involved or donate to your program, how can they do that? Um, on the website? Yes, or? definitely. Um, the website, right on our homepage, we have a donate button um, towards the, the top of the page. Very cool. So we're definitely open to any kind of support. Great. Perfect. Yeah. Thanks awesome. again for having me. Yeah, yeah thank you, Marcus. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for being on our podcast. And I just think your program's great, man. And I just think it's great that you're yeah. helping. It's really unique and kids special. Kids get exposed to filmmaking. And keep going. It's awesome. Keeping them out of trouble and everything. <laughs> right. <laughs> really awesome. Okay. Uh, thank you for yeah. Thank you for being on the show. Once again, you guys can find us, the High Five Download Podcast, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. It's been a while since we've had an iTunes review, so hey, somebody get yeah. after it. Give us a get give on us, there. Give It'll us take a you review. five seconds. Um, and Crystal gave you a shirt and a sticker. Yeah, I do. We have shirts left still. We have some new stickers. Um, we will do your top five if reach you want. Us, Put your top five on there. Yeah, will, reach will, out to us. I will us. read it on the air. Reach. Out, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you guys want to send um, send us an email, high five download podcast at gmail Let us know your five movies that made you fall in love with cinema as a kid we will we'll read it enjoy mm-hmm. it and give you a shout out so totally thanks for listening guys take care bye